What's it gonna be? Hello and welcome to the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. In game week six, there was no kneeling from Alonso, Arsenal shocked at Spurs and Bruno bottled it against Villa. I'm your host Natalie and as always I'm joined by Dan. Daniel, tell us about your game week six. Hello, hello, what's happened here? We we have a new host on the ship. This is wild. You want to know about my game week six? Please. The... Uh, the the vanquishing of Vicente or the uh, what do I call it the the great betrayal of Guaita that that's how my game week six has gone. Um, yeah, we've just finished the the main event of this weekend. Uh, the what is it the M twenty three derby? Which which M is it? Yeah, the twenty three. It is the twenty three. Um, and yeah, Guaita putting out a shit kick after he was on for I think maybe a ten pointer. He was at least on for a nine-pointer. Might have been ten. And then he does takes a shit kick and concede a goal in the 97th minute. So that wasn't great. Um, yeah, I've had a pretty disastrous week. Although it's actually, it's actually been fine. It's one of those where, you know, you just make a couple of decisions and, and what, what turns out to be kind of a pretty good week feels really average because you've got 11 points third on your bench in Abdullah Decore and you've got Gallagher who's just I think he well he would have only finished on four actually wouldn't he because yeah. of this this yellow card that he picked up and he was desperate to get sent off but yeah I, I did okay I think I'm on something like 50-ish points 52 or something yeah the way you were chatting made me think that you were having a really really terrible game week but mm. I reckon you've hit average yeah yeah well I was above average yesterday and that oh. was obviously with with like Guaita still to play but I think the benchmark for me is, did I beat my mum? And this week, my mum has beaten me oh. um, because she had Bukayo Saka. Oh. So she's actually, and, and Aubameyang. And oh. uh, I can't remember if, uh, I have Aubameyang as well, so I got his goal. But um, yeah, it was just a, a bit of a bummer in the end because she, it, it looked like I was going to smash it when Arsenal were doing, uh, doing well. And then I remembered she has Saka. But yeah, how how did how did yours go? How are you uh are you still top of the world? Uh not so top of the world, but top enough. Mm. Um I think I yeah, I've 58 points when the game week ends this week, which isn't bad. It's all right. Uh I'm looking at the wrong team, so <laughs> Who's to say? But yeah, had an all right time. Would have had a better time if I captained Takore, but we live and we learn. Yeah. Follow your heart. Yep, follow your heart, not what Dan says. Yep, agreed. But hey, you you know what I will say at least you know I um I practice what I preach there. I, I did put him <laughs> third on my bench, and and this is kind of this is classic me, right? Like I I thought about it a lot what I was doing, and somehow I came to the conclusion that he is the worst player in my team, and I look at my team, and I'm like, I know why I did that because I was so angry about how bad they were against Villa. Who was, hold on, who was second on your bench? Livermento. Okay. And they were playing Wolves. And to be honest, the only reason I did that is because I put Armstrong in, Adam Armstrong, who mm. was playing Wolves, and I had Semedo. So I was like, I was kind of hedging a little bit there. Um, it, it's not technically hedging because, you know, Southampton could still score and it could not be Armstrong. But, you know, he's looked pretty decent lately. And I thought, you know, this Wolves have been kind of hot and cold so maybe they'll get a goal maybe something will happen maybe it'll be exciting but that was probably the worst game of the weekend actually really really bad watch um and yeah i had gallagher first on my bench so i don't know it the fact that they were playing norwich really i should have just you know well this is what i suggested last week do we just captain anyone who's playing norwich and you said no so Mm. We're not doing that. That's not Well, on. I guess we'll see, though. We'll see what happens next week, because who are they playing? They're playing Burnley. Burnley. So none of us have any Burnley players. No. Um, and I did think this week, looking at the state of Nick Pope, that maybe he isn't a challenger for Pickford in the England squad after all. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, because of his 
sort of inability crazy to keep out. the goal. <laughs> Crucially, um, let's let's just go. Let's just we already jumped straight in, but let's jump deeper. Let's dive deeper, a deep dive. Mm. Let's go for a proper swim. <laughs> we'll swim good. That's one for the heads. Um, <laughs> no one, no one who gets it will listen. Yeah, to literally, this no one will understand that <laughs> reference. No. Um, but it creates a mystique. Anyone who is listening is now going to be like, oh, what do they mean when they said swim good? What, what was that? I'm not going to tell you. You're never going to find out. Sorry, go on. <laughs> That's okay. So for the last six weeks, I have been refusing to put Arsenal on the running order. But here we are. Episode eight, Arsenal, top of the billing. Dan, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> I can't believe it. I didn't even have to like... I didn't even have to fight for this. They just naturally, with a great performance in the North London derby, the, the second biggest game of this weekend behind Brighton and Palace. <laughs> one of the things, one of the agendas that I've been pretty strongly, strongly espousing on this podcast in recent weeks. Smith Rowe has been a guy I've been banging the drum for, and it's not been a great start for the, uh, the Smith Rowe camp, but <laughs> had a brilliant performance, as did... Bukayo Saka, two of the sort of real value propositions in this Arsenal team. Certainly if you're looking at the attacking side of things. And yeah, I, I think they were just really, really good. They, uh, you maybe haven't seen the best of them in the last few, few games, despite their, their wins. But there has been enough sort of evidence there that, that a turner was a turner. A corner was being turned <laughs> A Turner was being corned. Um, it was all of this coming to fruition, you know, mm. all of this um, this positive energy exploding on the scene. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it was amazing that it was at home. It was a North London derby. The, the fans were freaking crazy, but um, certainly a very good performance. A little bit unlucky not to, to come away with a clean sheet. I think ultimately, you know, Spurs had a few good chances. Uh, they were denied a penalty that probably should have been a penalty. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think there are a number of options that you could look at here. And I think Saka and Smith Rowe, probably the, the first guys I'd look at, especially with Smith Rowe having had a price fall in recent weeks down to, I think, 5.3. And I wouldn't write Erdegaard off of here either, because he is the other player that I do have that I actually got in for Smith Rowe. And obviously last week I benefited from that with his goal. But but this week it was really a, a standout performance from from the Hale End boys. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're looking really good. They have a really nice run of fixtures. They're looking defensively solid. So White and Tomiyasu are very good prices, uh, 4.4 and 4.5 respectively. Two clean sheets in three and not far away from having another one. I think there's a number of... Uh, Ramsdale too, you know, he's looked really impressive and, and really kind of nailed down that number one spot. I think it's kind of time to look at Arsenal and actually consider them as... Even if not, uh, you're not like splashing the cash on Aubameyang. Um, there are certainly great options for those those budget spots, and I think Smith Rowe in particular is the one that I'm looking at and thinking. You know that he's finally turned those sort of good positions he's been getting into into a few goals and, and assists, and that was what I was waiting to happen. I think I even said it last week. I was like, I'm still on that. I'm still on the Smith Rowe hype train. Like I'm still seeing the evidence that he's getting there into those spots. And this was just an example where he did it and he actually finished the, the chances. Um, what do you think? Are you um, eyeing any of the boys? Anyone stand out in particular to you? Yeah, at this point, I am mostly struggling not to go overboard and get two players in. Hmm. I didn't realise how cheap they all were. So yeah. I'm definitely looking at Saka. Um, I need to get rid of Buendia, but not this week. But I need to get rid of him. He needs to go. I don't know what his purpose is anywhere, mm. um, here or in South America. It's unclear. <laughs> but him to Saka just feels like a really easy move. Even if I lose money on him in the next week or two, Saka is still an option. Yeah. And I do also need to get rid of Willy Bolly. Rest in pieces. Oh. <laughs> um, I realised just now when I was thinking of looking at my team, my defence is so expensive and I had never yeah. noticed. So I need to downgrade some of those men. And 
I don't really want to get an Arsenal defender in, but like there aren't many options when it comes to cheap defenders where mm. I haven't already like got a defender from that team or a goalkeeper. I don't like doubling up. So I don't know. But Saka's my first where I'm looking first. Like you say, like the fixtures looks very tempting indeed. I could see more goals, but I don't know if I could con- entirely convince myself of clean sheets in those fixtures. Like Brighton up next for me rings alarm bells. So I'm happy for goals, not convinced of clean sheet. Which is pretty funny because that's actually the opposite of what I would feel about Arsenal having watched them this season. And, and really the game at the weekend, Arsenal scoring three goals was something that felt like a, a weight had been lifted for, from the club because you just don't expect Arteta's Arsenal to score any more than one or two goals in a game because we just haven't done it frequently and uh, personally sort of my experience of of what I've seen of the team in the last few weeks is the addition of of Tomiyasu and uh, Ben White and and Gabriel returning has been really like transformative Uh, Gabriel in particular has well, actually, I'd say Gabriel and Tommy Arsu in particular. And then I have to talk about the keeper as well, because he's been amazing. And I, I've never been the biggest fan of Ramsdale when he's been at you know, Sheffield United and Bournemouth. But there's something about his crazy goalkeeper gene that he seems to have, where he just, he gasses everyone up so much. Like, any save he makes, he's freaking, like, grabbing Tommy Arsu by his hair and, like, swinging him around and, and screaming in his face. It's, there was it's some Pickford energy from Ramsdale yeah. this weekend. Yeah, he, he's, he's absolutely crazy. But, like, <laughs> you can see that the players around him really respond to it. And there is this kind of, it, it sounds really cheesy, but, like, this togetherness with the group that I don't think we've really seen, um, even in the period where where Arsenal won the FA Cup, we, you know, we had a good run, but we had a lot of like backs to the wall performances. It wasn't like we were playing amazing free flowing football. Um, There are lots of very sort of orchestrated moves and, and it was all very tactical, but I don't know. Now it looks like we're playing with some freedom. And I do think at those prices with the, the fixtures that Arsenal have as well, I could easily see three out of five clean sheets in those next five games, potentially more. And for for White at 4.4 or Tommy Yasu or, or Ramsdale at 4.5, I think they're probably, much like Smith-Rowe, is, in the preseason pod, I said he's potentially one of the best value players in the game. Obviously, it's just been one game that he's had this big return and he needs to keep it up. But when you're looking at those kind of low prices, you almost don't need them to be like players you're relying on either. So... So yeah, I think there's a good shout, um, good shout for any position really. And and Aubameyang is an interesting one at nine point nine. I think I, I don't know if he's dropped any more since no, I, I bought him. I think he's him. still nine point nine. Considering the other sort of players in that price range and just how how brilliant he looked against against Spurs, he looked back to his sort of old self, which we didn't really see at all last season. Um, had a very heavily disrupted season with sort of family issues and and catching malaria and whatnot. <laughs> Um, and I think a lot of people are starting to write him off and saying, you know, it was the Ozil situation where it's he's signed a big new contract and he doesn't give a shit anymore. And then you watch that performance in the North London derby and, and it's hard to say that that's a guy that, that doesn't care about the club or care about his performances because he put, he left his heart on the pitch, so to speak. He, he was really, really... Um, really hardworking and looked really threatening. And, and I think that's a big positive. So... Yeah, I mean, amazing prices all round. It's just who do you pick? Uh, and I think Saka is probably a smart one because he's probably, of all of them, Saka and Aubameyang um, in the attacking line are the two most nailed on, um, as is Erdegaard, but he's playing a much sort of deeper role at times. Um, I don't know if he's going to have quite the goal threat that, that Saka and, and Smith-Rowe are going to have, which is making me think I might need to move back to, to Smith-Rowe at some point. Um, but yeah, really, really impressive. And I, I just hope we can keep it up because that's three wins on the bounce and every game we've kind of looked a little bit more confident and a little bit more impressive doing it. And yeah, a little bit unlucky not to have the clean sheet in the end. From the good to the bad and the ugly. It's a sad week for Ronaldo owners, although every week should be a sad week for Ronaldo owners, in my opinion. Um, not only that, poor little Bruno Fernandes. And his terrible, terrible penalty 
after this point, is anyone holding on to Bruno? You know what? That's a that's a good question because it's just occurred to me. Like I got rid of him, and I felt like I was kind of doing it early. Um, but then I guess so many people who would have got Ronaldo in would have presumably taken Bruno out, right? Mm. Like that that would have been how they would have got Ronaldo in. I mean, there are two things we should mention here not related to FPL, which is one, how great was Martinez just pointing <laughs> at Ronaldo, telling him to take the penalty. Love it. And, and then Mings afterwards, like a drunk guy at the pub, like gassing up his mate, being like, oh, you, you got in his head, man. That was um, that was quite entertaining. But also the, the social media uh, campaign to... Uh, by Man United to tell Bruno that it's okay and and they're still with him, man. And we still love you, bro. You know, keep working hard. You know, we're all together. We're all united because he missed a penalty. I think that was embarrassing. And so I've been thinking, whilst Bruno's up to that, Salah's being the fastest player, Liverpool player to 100 top flight goals. Hmm. And I'm looking at 12.6 and I'm thinking, yeah, it's expensive. But the man's consistency is undeniable. Mm. So in my head, so Salah is 60% owned, to be fair to him. Mm. But if you don't own Salah and you instead have jokers like Ronaldo or Fernandez, I'm struggling to see why. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that would be smart because I just think Liverpool are quite clearly a better team right now. I guess United did have a few moments in the Villa game and they were playing, well, I was going to say they were playing a better team, but I mean, Brentford put in an amazing performance against against Liverpool. I'm, I'm glad I didn't get to see the full game because yeah. uh, because I was out, but like the highlights were, were incredible and, and Ivan Tony looking impressive again. Um, and Burmo should have had a goal, probably. I, I mean, Salah should have had about three. Mm. Um well, maybe maybe at least two. I mean, his sure. his he should goal have had 10, was well 000. taken. <laughs> yeah, his goal was well taken. But yeah, he had a few other sort of big chances that you on another day certainly expect him to finish. So yeah, no, I I I kind of don't understand it really. I mean, I know Ronaldo is so highly rated by everyone because he's been so consistent over the years. I don't think there's that level of chance creation that Liverpool have. At Man United, and I don't think their fixtures coming up are good at all. So, I mean, that is the reason I got rid of Bruno, and I got rid of Villa, uh, Villa, got rid of Pogba going into this week because I was concerned that he would do nothing against Villa, and I got rid of him for Sar, and that turned out to be a pretty good move because he scored again. So, yeah, I, I'd be very concerned if I was an owner of, of any of those and not Salah because I don't think that's really. I don't think that's really an option. I think if you're if you have Bruno rather than Salah, like that that sideways move needs well, not sideways move. You're you're making a move to a better player. It kind of needs to happen, in yeah. my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, I actually hadn't looked at the Man United fixtures until just now. But mm. they are bad. They're and not I good. I guess like I don't know how I didn't look into Shaw's knock. Mm. But like Shaw is out of Shaw has to be out of my team this week anyway to facilitate yeah the moves I want to make. But I certainly wouldn't be keeping him anyway after this. He's too expensive and I don't have any faith that Man United will keep clean sheets in mm. the next five or six game weeks. And I was thinking about shipping Greenwood out as well. But, and obviously we only could see the highlights of this game, but I do think that actually, to be fair to him, he did seem to have a bit more going for him in this game at the weekend than... Maybe then, well, I guess more going for him than I thought he would have done. Mm. So I'm ready. I'm okay to hold for like a couple weeks mm. and see, but I'm not feeling confident. Yeah. Well, Greenwood is not a problem, right? Because he's like, I mean, you would have bought him at 7.5, but exactly. he's something like 7.7 now. And yeah. he was from certainly from the highlights he was the brightest player for man united and he really should have cut it back for fernandez to have a tap in uh before it was one nil to villa but at the same time i mean he was a guy that everything that that was being created by united was going through him and i wouldn't be too concerned about him as an individual and at that price point but my concern would be that Man United have shown themselves to to really struggle to create chances against Southampton, against Wolves, against Villa, 
who else have they played? They lost to Young Boys in the Champions League, of course. They beat West Ham, but that was a pretty tight game as well. And they, you know, were relatively lucky to to get out of that with a win. And even the Newcastle game. I mean, if Newcastle were better at finishing and uh, Darlow didn't have a disastrous day in... Was it Darlow? It might have been Woodman, actually. Yeah, it was Woodman. Had a disastrous day in goal. Like, United Stark could have been looking even worse. So... I'm pretty concerned about their uh, their attacking performance. I guess first is their price, right? Because we talked about Arsenal, and I look at Smith Rowe, and he's five point three, and you can accept a few down days from a guy who's costing you five point three, because you can you know really pump up the value in the rest of your team. But when you've got a guy like Ronaldo at twelve point five or whatever, it's probably increased in price by now. I imagine um, because of his ownership. Yeah, 12.7 now. Yeah, I just can't... I can't justify having that much money in a Man United asset when they have a tricky run of fixtures um, and they're just... They're not really, in an attacking sense, firing on all cylinders. And I think, on your Luke Shaw point, they have been dropping a goal a game consistently this season. And that just... That's another concern, right? Like, you're not even getting clean sheets against Mm -hmm. kind of quote-unquote rubbish teams or like mid-table teams so yeah it's it's looking interesting and I, I I just don't really know what to make of Man United they seem to be having the same problems they've always had under Solskjaer where they can make it work because they have so many good attacking players for a bit and then as soon as they come up against someone who's a little bit more tactically sharp they really struggled to uh, to get the result over the line or to to create the kinds of chances that are going to going to win them the match and that's kind of where they're at at the moment and they don't have a good run of fixtures so yeah I'd be certainly looking away personally well somewhere you might be able to look is the man competing against Salah for the golden boot at the moment alongside Antonio uh Jamie Vardy (laughs) with three entire goals this weekend two at one end and one at the other it would be nice if they counted own goals <laughs> in your golden boot to- total wouldn't it it would be good i think last week you told me vardy no not good don't don't do it don't believe the hype um, did i tell you that no you i don't didn't. remember <laughs> not not you, you could lie to me but i i i, th- I feel like i remember mentioning vardy last week I because mentioned he just vardy. kept doing it or maybe and, you did yeah and you said mm, okay probably no and i said okay but to be quite honest with everybody, if I was going for a one-week punt, which I'm not because we all know that I have an issue with having 11 players to start, hmm. um, but if I was going for a one-week punt this week, just for lols, it would 100% be Vardy uh, against Palace because, like, why not? Um, I love it. I love the narrative. I'm just quite into it. I don't know what for. I can't afford him. <laughs> or like I can, but I really want Lukaku. And having Vardy would make that obviously impossible. But I did have a like crisis of conscience yesterday where I was like, do I just get Vardy instead? Hmm. Um, and I don't think that's a good idea, but I want it to be a good idea. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so Vardy has always historically been a tough one for me to to assess because... I've watched a bit of Leicester and they look to me like one of the worst teams in the league at the moment in terms of their actual play and Mm -hmm. and, and their results and and whatnot. But Jamie Vardy is just impervious to to everything else that's going on around him. Like he's a player that will just relentlessly score. You know, they drew 2-2 with Burnley. Burnley have been a team that everyone's tipping to go down. And I think they've lost, haven't they lost like three in a row or something before that? They've lost who? Burnley? Leicester. Oh. Um, they probably both lost about three I, before that. Yeah, uh, yeah. they lost... Um, so they beat Norwich, then they lost two in a row. Um, and yeah, drew 2-2 with Burnley. But it's an interesting one because it's like very hard to project how he's going to do against any team because Vardy just scores when he wants. That's literally the, the meme, isn't it? He He does what he wants. And I do think he is, he's the form guy. I think he's, what, the top scoring striker now? Certainly up there. The second top scoring behind Antonio. I guess the own goal has taken some <laughs> some points off of Vardy or whatever, or maybe Antonio's just had more bonus. 
But yeah, he's he's kind of brilliant, and he's in that range with Aubameyang. So you know, you've got nine point nine for Aubameyang, you've got ten point four for Vardy, and then all the prices around that are like uh, it's twelve point seven or whatever for Ronaldo, or it's eleven point whatever Lukaku's at, and Lukaku's had a tough couple of games where he hasn't scored. I kind of think Vardy is probably the primary guy I'd be looking for in that price range. Um, you know, I'm kind of gambling a bit on Aubameyang because I, I kind of see that potential upside. But actually, if you want a guy who's got a track record of just scoring goals galore and really being the main guy um, for a team, Vardy is that. You know, he's he's always the guy that scores Leicester's goals. And that did change for a bit last season when Iheanacho was in the team. But it seems that he's kind of found himself on the bench again, found himself a bit part player. And it's all back down to Vardy. And uh, yeah, while I think Leicester's performances have been poor and they look like they're really struggling, Jamie Vardy is just scoring goals for fun. And and you kind of can't ignore that in in FPL. So he'd certainly be high on my my list if I was looking for for someone in that price range. And I mean, I, I do have a team structure right now where I have Lukaku and Aubameyang, two right in that price range, the sort of premium striker range could easily move either one of them to him if I was unhappy with them. And and I'd certainly be looking at doing that if he if he delivers again against Palace because looking at his fixtures as well, he plays uh, against Palace next, you mentioned. Then it's Man United, who we've mentioned, concede a goal a game. And Jamie Vardy also loves to score against the big teams. Then it's Brentford, who've been playing the most open football we've seen in the league. Uh, and then it's Arsenal, Leeds... Two teams who Jamie Vardy, well, against Arsenal, he always uh, usually scores. And then Leeds, another team that play really open. It's a good fixture run. And even after that, Chelsea. But then it's Watford, Southampton, Villa, Newcastle. Like, there are so many matches there that you back Vardy to score in. So, yeah, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, how is he not getting more <laughs> more interest right now? The, the mere thought of Vardy has really thrown my plans into uh turmoil and he's outperforming lukaku by distance so far yeah i don't know if it just looks kind of bad on lukaku like he has well i don't know i was gonna play say he's played spurs but then that doesn't really mean anything but then against man city is obviously a tough picture but so i don't know like i think i just had my heart so set on lukaku that anything else seems wrong hmm what i would say about lukaku is he is in my opinion probably the best striker in the league in terms of individual quality I don't feel like we've seen that frequently enough yet we we really saw it in the Villa game where he basically had two chances and scored two goals and also in the Arsenal game where we just got absolutely pummeled really and and kind of (laughs) they shut up shop after going 2-0 up but I do think we're going to see we're going to start to see the best of Lukaku as time goes on, especially as they start to play play some lesser teams because... Yeah, Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, and then Burnley. And the next five is kind of undeniable. Like, that's why, even though he hasn't scored in two games, I'm like, well, he will. Yeah. Like, even if he doesn't score against Southampton, as you said, like, Brentford, the way they play, that's it, isn't it? That's goals. Yeah. Norwich don't know how to play football, so that's goals. <laughs> Newcastle, who knows what they're doing? Sam Maxman's just running, everyone else is just chilling. That's also goals. Lest we forget that Lukaku in his days of uh, in the Premier League playing for Everton had a real reputation for being a flat track bully as well and, and really beating up on the on the lesser teams. So I imagine he's gonna really want want to increase his goals tally across mm. this uh this run of fixtures. And they're all very captainable fixtures. Whereas I think Vardy, you could have that reasonable doubt in your mind, right? Where it's like, I know if Leicester score, it's probably going to be Vardy. But will they score? But but how confident am I with their current performance level? Yeah. And, and really, for me, it'd be a case of if it's a choice between Lukaku or Vardy, it's Lukaku. But if you can have both, then that's a different scenario. And like I said, I have Aubameyang right now, but I might look to if Aubameyang doesn't deliver as much as I want him to. Mm. I might be looking to do that that move to Vardy instead because yeah, Vardy's just proving himself to be the exactly uh, exactly the same player we already know he is. 
and he just doesn't seem to age. He just keeps going, and he's he feeds on the tears of the opposition fans, doesn't he? He he just it, it fuels him and it keeps him going. And yeah, um, great start to the season from him, to be honest. Um, and then finally for our in our game week six review section, some men who we haven't spoken about at all yet this season, but I saw other men talking about these men and I thought maybe we should talk about these men Man City have had five clean sheets out of six so far this season hmm. which took me by surprise a little bit because I just wasn't paying attention um, because I have no money and no space to make transfers Cancelo and Diaz 6.1 each five clean sheets the order uh, assist for both of them as well is it worth the money yeah um it's an interesting one, really, because City have kind of gone under the radar because they've been doing so much defensive rotation, but also they have uh, not defensive rotation, so much team rotation that the defence hasn't been quite so heavily rotated, actually. Um, certainly with Cancelo, I think he's played 90 minutes every game so far. I think that's the same for Diaz. Yeah. Um, and Laporte as well, maybe. Laporte has missed two games. But yeah, Cancelo and, and Diaz are certainly top of the list there. But they haven't really been set in the world or like with the the quality of, well, maybe not even the quality of the football, but, you know, they haven't been blowing teams away consistently. You know, a couple of one nils here and there. They obviously had a, a big result against Arsenal and against Norwich. But besides that, it, it's been relatively kind of quiet for, for City. But it's certainly been quiet at their back end where, where it's probably the place you usually point out as a weakness for for City they've certainly had previous for being countered a lot by teams like Leicester who they managed to to take a 1-0 victory over and I think Chelsea also you know they they beat them in the Champions League final last year and they really exploited some some pretty big holes in the in the City defense and it seems that they've kind of got themselves really well organized now and Cancelo has just been kind of one of the the main players in their build-up really and I think his assist at the weekend was a little bit lucky but he's the kind of player that if he's starting every every week he's so attacking and he's so involved in the play that you know if they keep a clean sheet he's going to be right up there with a shout for a uh, for three bonus points and he's going to have potential for a goal or an assist as well and that was kind of the problem last year wasn't it was you just didn't know if he was going to start every game mm. It seems like he is, him and Diaz are the two sort of key men in that side now for Pep. And when, when it's difficult to look at elsewhere, apart from maybe Jesus in the team because of rotation. Yeah. I think those two, at, at those prices, 6.1 each, is very, it, it's much cheaper than Alexander-Arnold, right? And it's, it just feels about right. If you're getting a clean sheet almost every week, I think you can't really ignore that. That's, that's good value. Um, so again, yeah, Cancelo certainly of the two is my pick, but but Diaz I think is even more nailed in terms of like his position. You know, centre backs are much le- less likely to be rotated anyway. Yeah, certainly high in considerations. It's all just about what your what your structure, what your team structure is like, and yeah, it's another one where I could very easily sort of get get him in because. My team structure is quite well. Actually, I could have until I brought in Antonio this week. Scratch <laughs> that. I did have two million in the bank. Now I have nothing. Um, yeah, so I couldn't. But yeah, I, I I think they they shouldn't be ignored. I mean, obviously they play Liverpool this week, so I wouldn't be looking to do it now. Mm. But if you're wild carding over the break or something, yeah. And I think it's looking like that old sort of structure, isn't it, where you have sort of two or three premiums. Mm. And then some sort of cheapo bench players or whatever. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of value in the bench players because of the likes of Liveramento, because of uh, Arsenal having really cheap defenders, because of Brentford being being so strong so far and, and having pretty cheap defenders. There are so many ways you can do it. And I think, yeah, you have to look at that consistency. And, and if City are going to keep this up, I mean, their run isn't too bad. It's not, it's not perfect. They play Man United and Everton, but I, I don't know how... That's what five weeks from now. Um, how good a Man United got to be at that point? I know they usually do well against City, um, Everton. I'm still not quite sure what to make of them. Obviously, missing a few players. They had a good result against Norwich, but it's it's Norwich, and it's hard to really know 
how bad Norwich are because the, the zero points this season is not mm. good. But I've seen them play well in some games and I, I thought they were unlucky to lose against Leicester. Um, so is a 2-0 victory against Norwich showing that Everton are good or is it just, you know, it's what you're expected to do because it's Norwich? I, I don't really know. So there are a few teams there I don't really know how, how to place. But yeah, I, I do think they're looking very strong city and and you can't ignore that at those prices much rather have Cancelo than Alonso that's for sure on we move to game week seven well got a big boy to start this Man United versus Everton in the 12 30 no Ronaldo captains obviously because uh it is indeed 12 30 and you're all transferring transferring him out this week yeah I would take anyone captaining Takure though like just for the bands yeah I'd have it I feel like the three o'clocks Burnley versus Norwich is very a movable object what's that unstoppable force yeah is that it <laughs> yeah yeah it's very that Chelsea Southampton I think is the first like solid call for like a captain shout here um if you have Lukaku and surely Lukaku is a differential captain at this point like Oh, he's owned by 33% of teams? Yeah. It's big. How did that happen? I didn't even notice that. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. But I guess he kind of... Oh, it's so... So hard to know. I, I don't know. Continue. <laughs> okay. Um, the, big, the big three o'clock, though, the biggest, I would argue, uh, is Traore versus San Maximan Derby. Uh, Wolves versus Newcastle. Who knows what the men could do? The the social media legends derby. <laughs> yeah, that really is it. I mean, it was shocking and disgusting that Traore didn't start the match at the weekend. Because um, what a waste of my time watching that was when he wasn't there. But surely he gets a start in this and they just run at each other for 90 minutes. That's fun. Yeah, we, we didn't actually speak about San Maximan, but he's had a pretty sensational start to the season. Yes. Like, he's only not returned in one game this season so far. Yeah, and I wonder if that has, that, has Wilson being out helped that? I kind of think that the way that Newcastle playing is, uh, the way that Newcastle playing is just um, giving him the best opportunity to thrive, really. Mm. Um, he's, he's a player that thrives on transition and, and quick counterattacks, and he's just been given so much freedom to just run with the ball and, and play this like end-to-end basketball style of football. I, I think at 6.8, he's one hell of a value pick there, but I, it's so difficult with the forwards because there's quite a few that are performing right now. And, and yeah, I, I don't know if he's ever got to score more than one goal in the game because he'll do something amazing and then he'll mess up like the easiest chance ever. Um Oh, did did you see Jacob Murphy's miss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the problem with Newcastle, I guess. They don't always take their chances, and that's why he's priced accordingly. But he's been really consistent. And yeah, on, on the topic of Traore, um, it, it's kind of confusing to me. It's sort of like the reverse, or, or I guess the exact same thing as Brighton last year, right? Like, they have been playing great football Wolves, been so exciting to watch, created so many chances, and they've lost every game like 1-0. And then they switch Traore out. They play some of the most boring football I've ever seen. Southampton with a much better team over the 90 minutes, and they win 1-0. Yeah. But how how has this occurred? I certainly wouldn't be looking at any attackers from Wolves right now because of, you know, that as well as their inability to score when they do create chances. But, yeah, I, I just don't know what to make of them at all. Like, uh, the fact that they win in the game where they've played the worst football and they didn't even look particularly solid defensively. Um, well, there was a goalkeeper assist, of course, though, mm. which is very exciting from Chose Sar. After that match, the people in my league who had the best scores were hmm. all people who had Sar in goal. Yeah. I didn't even realise anyone had him, to be honest. There were approximately three people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he had a sensational performance, if you if you include that. But I don't know. They, they do look okay defensively, but certainly no captain options here, I don't think. Um, mm. It's it's too... Very much looking mid-table, that game. 
Uh, your 5.30 is Brighton versus Arsenal, um, which we kind of mentioned. I think here are your renegade captain picks as well, if you want to go for a Saka type. There's quite a lot this week, aren't there? Because you've got Chelsea Southampton looks a very good Lukaku captain. You've got Leeds Watford, if you wanted to go really renegade, either Ismail Assar or, or Rafinha could be good options. Arsenal, you've got anyone who attacks for Arsenal <laughs> against Brighton. Um, and, and yeah, I am. I think I currently have my captaincy on Aubameyang. I wouldn't quite dare to go for one of the cheaper guys just because I'm not I'm not sure like Brighton are pretty good defensively for the most part and I think they're going to approach this game pretty defensively because they seem to you know like I said about Wolves being similar to them they've started playing dreadful football and it's got them results so far so I think they might continue this against Arsenal who are obviously in quite good form and I don't know if Basuma's got to be back for this game, but he missed today. Uh, missed today's game, and he's a really big sort of part of their midfield and big part of what helps them control that area. Without him, they're really going to struggle against uh, the likes of Thomas Partey, who is another really, really important part of that midfield that I think has helped Arsenal to improve their fortunes. So yeah, I, I, it would be proper renegade, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't know. Would you? Would you do it? Would you go for like a SAC or an ESR or something? No, I wouldn't because I'm looking at Sunday's 3 2 p.m.s and here are where my men are. 3. 3 2 p.m.s. No more, no less. 3. Good God. So, um, Palace Leicester, obviously, if you have Vardy, that's it. That's your boy. Done. Du- done. Done. Um, this Spurs Villa, that's nil nil written all over it. Um, West Ham Brentford, yes please, this is just Antonio and Tony, the two tones, Mm. just (laughs) doing goals. That is all I want from this game and it's all I can hope for. Um, So I think, I don't know who the hell my captain is on at the moment, but it's going to be Antonio. Oh God, you've just given me, uh, that's that's surely going to be the number one captain this week, isn't it? You'd like to think so. Well, I... or not, if you have Tony. Uh, sorry, if you have Antonio and you don't want everyone else to also be captaining him. But yeah, it feels fun to me. It, it's the highest owned player that has the most obvious sort of there's got to be goals mm. in this fixture. Because Liverpool Man City is the late kickoff and yeah. surely no one's going near that. No, right. I'm not interested, thank you. Like, I, I, I don't even know if I want to play Trent in that. I'm going to have to, but... Well, I'm not... I don't have to, but I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. That actually, of all of the ones, I think, genuinely, Liverpool-Man City is probably a nil-nil. Mm. Like, the season before Liverpool won, and when they were challengers yeah. for the title, I'm sure there was a Sunday... Late Sunday afternoon, Liverpool, yeah. Man City, and I was like, "Got to stay home and watch this because, oh, it's going to be a big one." <laughs> and it was nil nil, and I was like, "What a waste of my time!" And I think that was the one where Mares missed a penalty in like the ninety fourth minute, blasted it into the stands, Bruno Fernandez style. <laughs> I don't recall, but sure, I'll take your word for it. Mm. Yeah, I-, I think you're probably right about that. In in that, like especially looking at the way that man city are playing right now um with how much stronger they've been defensively i think liverpool have always had their most success against city where they've made it like a real like toe-to-toe like um end-to-end kind of crazy brentford match basically um and city having their success being a little bit more tight at the back and a bit more controlling of the game i think they'll try and continue that even though they're away from home it could go one of two ways, you know, it could it could explode into something crazy because it is at Anfield and obviously the fans are back now. Mm-hmm. So so it's a different proposition to Anfield with no one in the ground. But when you've got all these other fixtures on offer, I, I can't really see uh, Liverpool City being the one you're going to look for a captain in. And yeah, it, it's probably going to be a letdown, actually, when you look at the kind of potential for goals in these other games. 
Uh, the the problem is I always have this when we do this podcast. I get to one fixture where it gives me extreme self doubt because I hadn't considered Captain and Antonio, and I've just oh. brought him in, and now I'm like, oh, everyone's got to do it, so I feel like I have to do it just so I can keep up because I'm so like uh, I'm so neurotic about how in the past I've deliberately avoided captaining people uh, the players that other people have been captaining and that's always been my downfall but then there's the other part of me that's like but no you can captain Lukaku and it'll be great just do you yeah I'm just gonna do me before (laughs) before we get to the weekend the most important thing some may argue is the clean sheet cup oh regretfully regrettably it was an unsuccessful week in the Denalysis camp, if my spreadsheet opens. Um, I'll give you all the facts. It was nil point for both of us oh. this week. As Dan said, Chelsea. And I said Southampton. I couldn't remember who I said. I, it's been eating at me for the last few days, ever since you said that you checked the sheet and seen that you'd lost. Mm. I didn't have the heart to ask you because I wanted to find out here. and. I'm so gutted about that. I think you went last last week. I mean, sorry, you went first last week. Yeah, I think I did. I actually haven't decided who I'm going to have because now I'm torn about the Liverpool Man City, which I think might be a nil-nil. You can't do it again, surely. I'm also riding high off Emi Martinez and I could go for a Villa clean sheet. Well, Spurs have created like the least chances in the league or the least xg in the league and have gone what three games in a row without scoring i think will villa beat spurs 3-0 that's oh sorry they did score against us i forgot about that oh yeah (laughs) lol (laughs) that was how inconsequential it was yeah but also i'm looking at burnley against norwich like is this finally nick pope's time to shine if there's a time to do it it's here well, I can tell you that Norwich are going to be targeting that game and being like, this is where we can get get some points on the board because Lord knows it's their only chance playing against these kind of relegation candidates. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's tricky this week. Everything looks like a goal fest, which means I'm sure we're going to get to about 4pm and everything's still going to be nil no, nil, no. or 4.15 and we're going to be waiting, begging for the first goal of the weekend to happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually don't know. You know what? I'll just, I'm going to go for Man City. Yeah. Okay, that, that's a pretty brave one, I think, because I'm not going near that game. The two times I've gone for Man City this season, it's come through. Yeah. So, well, no time to charm. We know that Man United cannot keep a clean sheet ever. And we know that Everton have Luca Dean and also... Mr. Pickford in goal. So I'm not going near that. That's crazy. Burnley Norwich, they're probably both going to score because they both want to stay up and whatnot. Chelsea Southampton, mm. Chelsea, only because they let me down this week, I'm going to ignore them. Leeds Watford, hell no. That uh, Neither of them can really defend. Although Ben Foster, I'm, I'm liking the return of Ben Foster. Yeah, me Big too. fan. And certainly if you are on a wild card, little cheap goalkeeper there, 4.0 or 4.1, whatever he costs now. And it seems like he will only play, <laughs> he will only play the three o'clocks as well. Like, I'm concerned about if it gets to a not three o'clock, will he play? What, because like it's too late in the day for him? Yeah, he he's... was in that the game last weekend where he was like, there's just things you can do at three o'clock on a Saturday that you can't do on the training ground. And, <laughs> and just... you took that to mean only three o'clock. I'm concerned that it might mean only three o'clock. I, I love it. I, I love to see a footballer just playing at the top level and also just having a bloody great time with it mm. and documenting it all. It's something so pure that we don't always, you know, it's better than Bruno Fernandes crying and writing a freaking five page essay about mm. why he missed the penalty, even though he does really work hard. Um, there's something joyful about Foster, but I'm not going for this game for a clean sheet. Wolves, Newcastle, hell no. They're both going to score probably. Um, which brings me to Brighton Arsenal. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> Arsenal clean sheet. It's happening. Brighton have really struggled to score and we're very lucky to score tonight. And I don't really think they're going to give Arsenal too much trouble, especially if they're still missing the likes of Bissouma. 
And Danny Welbeck, of course, picked up an injury today. So that's another player that could have been a threat, um, certainly in behind, that they're potentially going to be missing. And Sunday, I'm not sure. I think your Villa shout earlier could be good, actually. Like, Spurs have really struggled to, to score. So Martinez just seems like a wall. Like, I don't... I mean, he's a guy that we spoke about a few weeks ago, and I was kind of like, he's too expensive. But mm. he's just... Uh, no one seems to beat him ever <laughs> it's yeah. it's concerning um i think villa are quite good defensively as well yeah of the teams that aren't like the the title contenders villa mm. have got the most clean sheets so far this season they've got three and no one else has that many yeah uh, and yeah they are just as a unit they're very good defensively so the shots that they do concede are usually pretty because he always finishes on like six or seven saves i, I feel like but then when you see the highlights, it's very rarely he's actually making any particularly <laughs> sort of big saves. Yeah. It's just like they seem to force the opposition into taking pretty crap ones. And I think that's always a good sign of a, of a solid defence if you can do that. So, yeah, he's, he's had a really great season. And he's continuing his great form. Perfect. Well, that just about does us for this week. Thank you, Dan, for being wow. here. And thank you. That's okay. Um, something to plug. Uh, I guested on a podcast many months ago that is just now live called the Flick and Mix podcast. It is a podcast about films um, hosted by Chris Daly. Every episode, he takes a series of films and him and a bunch of guests rank them from worst to best. So if you have an interest in horror, uh, I ranked The Conjuring films from worst to best um, and the first part of that is live now i'll link it in the description otherwise you can get in touch with us throughout the week on twitter at the denalysis and via email hello at the uh, if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and rate and review us on apple podcasts um, and if you didn't enjoy this episode dan will host again next time we, <laughs> we do yeah. this we'll be back the week after next, because after next week, it's international break. Ah, oh, yeah, baby. Mm-mm-mm. Wait, no, no, that was the wrong reaction. I hate the international break. Boo, uh, international but, break. But it is nice to have a free weekend. Where so there we go. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, um, we get to look forward to the, the return of lovely England. and. Oh, what will Southgate do this time? What will he do? What, what squad's he going to pick? It's just... It's going to be exactly the same, isn't it? We're mm-hmm. probably going to win them all. It's probably going to be really easy. And then we get back to real football. I can almost guarantee there's no way Pope gets in the side. Yeah. I, I've given up on the dream. I, I kind of like, I feel like I'm experiencing a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome with Pickford. <laughs> I feel like I have to start liking him just because, just because he's the guy. And I'm liking what he's doing with his hair. He's, he's sort of... He looks like a guy who's just, you know, having a laugh now. Just <laughs> growing his hair, just showing up late, doing what he wants. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Boom. Laters, FPLers. Fancy responsibly. Yeah. Bye.